Nicola Karim, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Judge Business School podcast series today. If we begin your personal business success story by talking about how your mother, first of all, built up the business in animal feeds. Um, Basically, my, my mother started an animal feeds business, and that is just taking basic palm kernel, crushed oil extracted and the residue exported to Europe to animal feed compounders. And, and then you came in as the business entrepreneur and son in the family wanting to take the business forward. How did you negotiate that? I think it was more the fire burning, trying to be an entrepreneur and doing something different and not holding a nine-to-five job, and we have a platform. And, you know, talking to my mother and saying, look, let's take this business to the next level. So we started by growing the animal feeds business in itself from exporting 1,200 tons a month to about 3,000 tons a month. Then moving to the next stage, getting the foreign company, which was the main buyer in Amsterdam, now buying into our company. So we started growing the business that way. But, but you could have said, I don't want to work in animal feeds. Why should I work in the family business? It, it was in, it, for me, it was very interesting looking at the whole process of the export in itself was what drew me to it. It was looking at a fruit, palm fruit, becoming a creative position and becoming a sort of compound food you know, material that's exported into Europe, into the animal feed system, which in turn gets into the food chain. For me, that's the whole interest that drove me to get into it. So you were genuinely curious about the family business? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very important because I've always been a person who's looked at legacies of generational businesses, and that, for me, is a fantastic driver. I know one of the things you've said is you've always enjoyed learning. You've always enjoyed going on business courses. Did that help? Did that interest begin early? It did. I think one of the greatest drivers is, is business courses, learning from people, learning from successful people and people that failed alike. Because you can never, ever have enough experience. But gaining it or getting it from people who have been through it is a fantastic drive. Now, you talked about getting partners in Amsterdam. It's really important that you get those right partnerships because they're like a marriage, aren't they? I think partnership is a marriage. But it's marrying the right person. That's the main thing. And for us, the secret of our success today is being married to the right people. Well, how did you decide that that first big partnership in Amsterdam was the right one? I think it's just the relationship. You know, you see people who are genuine in their relationship with you. It's not because of the dollars and cents. It's because of the person, the personality, the relationship that's fostered. And it becomes more family intertwined together. And that's what creates that balance to making it work in a fantastic business relationship. Now, in 1994, you were in Nigeria and you decided, you call it, to ride to the bull in India and China. Can you explain that business thinking? It, for me, if you look at in the 90s, India and China started, people started riding that wild bull, and I think Africa was still sleeping. And, you know, I thought, why not jump on this bull and start riding it as well, because the opportunities are there. We have numbers in people. Population is huge. And what's missing is that missing link in creativity and supporting this economy as a scale. And that, for me, is a fantastic driver. And so you went there, didn't you? You went to, to China in particular, rather than waiting for a multinational company to send 
third-rate partners to Africa? Yes, I spent a lot of time traveling in China and India to understand and see how business has been driven, how business has been built, so to get that value preposition in how to implement that in Africa. And I came back with a lot of fantastic thought process that we have now put in place to drive an effective African business. Now, now you built up Shoreline to represent so many different sectors. It's not just animal feeds anymore. Um, I mean, it's all kinds of things, including, you're saying, going on to do more food and consumer goods uh, in the future. Just explain that raft of sectors that you're in. What we do is try to create and tap into opportunities by virtue of the numbers on the continent. And one important thing is creating and plugging into areas of necessity. And that would always start by looking at infrastructure, hence where it's sitting right across platform in engineering. Someone's got to build roads, someone's got to build a rail, someone's got to build the new airports, the ports. Once we've created that hub, then we're moving on to the food chain by supporting and starting to invest in food. And that's a very, very great value. And do you study a number crunch? Do you just look at every piece of that 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle uh, to build up? You know, you've got a staff of 5,000 people. Are you someone who looks at detail? Yes, I've got... uh, I'm a stickler for detail, but more importantly, I'm a stickler for good quality people. We... We will not be where we are today without the good people that slave day and night in making Shoreline what it is. And I always say that by thanking all our people. Um, I work, but the most important thing is I get support from the very solid base that we have in the people we have working with us. And you've actually uh, put together in your company a wide range of people from different nationalities. That's quite challenging. It is challenging, but we have fun doing it. You know, you're throwing wisecracks at the French, then banter with the Germans, and it's just fantastic. And that is one of the fantastic relationships we have in Shoreline that's kept us going. You know, we've got a good balancing. Yes, we've got a nationality that's, you know, kind of bigger than every other person. It's the British. You know, we're British ourselves but the reality is in creating that multinational united nations kind of business is what makes us international now you clearly saw red when you talked about multinational companies sending the wrong people to africa because it was a theme that occurred throughout your leadership uh, seminar today why do you feel so strongly about that if you look at the bus- most of the multinational businesses on the continent failed in the 80s. And the reason they failed is because other parts of the world was growing, so the really good top-rate managers were sent there, and the really bad ones at the lower ebb of management were sent to Africa. So if you look at the rate of return in most of these businesses in Africa, it was in the reverse in the 80s and the early 90s. And this is why our generation, who are the educated, I think a bit more intelligent types, are seeing opportunities in moving back into these societies and driving these businesses. China in Africa is controversial, isn't it, because of the raw materials? Because if you keep taking raw materials from a continent, then there's going to come a time when actually um, the continent needs those raw materials for itself to grow and, and prosper. Do you look at China's impact on Africa and feel any resentment? 
Resentment, I think, is a strong word. I think China's position in Africa is equally as good and as bad. It's good because Africa needs the money. It's bad because it's not helping Africa grow. But the reality is African leadership is very, very, should be self-driven in negotiating its terms with Africa. More importantly, you should understand, China needs your resource. So the reality is you should be sitting on the same table dictating or negotiating the terms that favors you as an African. Is India as important to Africa as China? I think if you look at all the BRIC countries, it's now becoming very important to Africa. From Brazil, Brazil, the Brazilian president has just been traveling around Africa as well, trying to do deals on the continent. I think Africa is seen as the last frontier by virtue of its natural resource that every growing economy needs. It, the importance there is India is now becoming very popular and very important in Africa. So is Brazil. The latest driver is, is, is Russia. The Russian president has just traveled around Africa as well with huge amount of dollars in investment from oil and gas to resource as well. So the importance of India and all the other BRIC countries is showing the importance of what Africa can be as a continent to the world. You also spoke movingly of your family as a pillar. You talked about your lifestyle, being on the road, having to talk frankly to your, your family, your wife, also your, your siblings in the business with you about your work and what you're doing. You've got to take people with you. The greatest driver of any successful being has got to be you've got to have a pillar. And the pillar for us as a family unit is the family. Because the family support base that we've had, the relationship that we've built, is what's kept us going as a people, as a business, and as individuals. To any business out there, to the next wave of growth and growing businesses and generational businesses, the greatest driver should always and will always be in the businesses that you build. And that's the pillar of family in it. If we... Look at what you think, whether um, you're in any particular sector. Do you think Shoreline's philosophy is that its local knowledge is what distinguishes it? Absolutely. If you know the locality, you know the locale, you've got everything, all the information, that's my competitive advantage. And that should be the main driver of what China and the Chinese multinationals have played in China. And that is why you don't see so many Western multinationals succeeding in China. The same in India. And Africa is our time to do the same. We know the local markets. We know the people. We know the cultures. He needs to come and study it. Why not partner and drive it? And that is a force in itself. Kola Karim, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Judge Business School podcast series today. It's been a privilege. Thank you very much for inviting me.